Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Talking the Terror. I am one of your hosts, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California. I am so happy to be here to talk about the season or the series finale of Talking, I'm sorry, of uh, the Terror. Uh, and I am joined by my wonderful co-host. Uh, first, we have the one and only Yardley. How are you doing, man? Hey, doing good, man. Ready to talk about how this thing closes out. All right. And also joining us is the one, the only, the beautiful, the talented Jen. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I'm excited, too. I'm, I'm excited to I'm excited to share a piece of my mind. Wait, wait a minute. I said the one, the only, the beautiful, the talented Jen and Jen goes, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I need a little more uh, spunk there, Jen. Come on now. You're in oh Hawaii. Oh, my gosh. It's me. I'm here. I'm the one. I'm the only. I'm the. I'm the. What else did you say? See, it didn't even the get beautiful. All of it. The talented. See, the I'm gonna talented. keep my. Uh, yes, I'm gonna. Yes. I'm gonna keep my compliments for people who appreciate them. Gosh darn it. <laughs> you, 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 you know what it is, Yardley. You know what it is. I, I'm just. I'm. I'm living in constant thought of how horrible it must be for you guys to be where you are and not be here with me. That's, oh. uh, it just consumes all of my thoughts. So uh, you I'm and this sorry. Con- you and this consumption there. <laughs> you keep talking about. <laughs> I'm worried about you. <laughs> You're consuming. Um, okay, so for those who have not seen the finale of uh, The Terror, uh, this is the series finale episode. So if you have not seen it yet, uh, it which would it would have aired tonight, um, Make sure you've seen it. This is a warning. We're going to be talking about how everything wraps up. So uh, make sure that you have seen it. But um, we will be talking about the series finale, the season finale of The Terror. All right. So we have so much to talk about. We have Tunbuck makes a triumphant return. We have uh, the ending of some characters that we all liked. We have, uh, you know, some more cannibalism. We have so much to go to, to go over. So I think probably the best place to start off at is, um, I was a little disappointed about one thing. Uh, I loved how episode nine ended with, uh, Blanky. I was kind of hoping it would start there. I guess we did need to see it. Uh, I guess we didn't need to see that, but I don't know. I, were you guys hoping to, that it was going to start where the episode ended, or did you just accept that as that was the end for his character? For me, I accepted it. Oh, okay. What about you, Jen? Yeah, I did too. <clears throat> I yeah, I, I did too. I, I I think if if they had shown anything more, it would have taken away from what we talked about uh, in our previous podcast about you know how amazing it was that he found the passage and i i think that's the high note we want to go out on is he found the passage we don't want to go out on him being scattered across the uh the, the rocks oh yeah i guess i'm i have a lot of bloodlust in me i guess <laughs> i don't know uh i wanted to see how them forks were gonna work out <laughs> you know in case i ever you know if i'm trapped in the forest and some bears are stalking me I wonder if the old fort, the old fifty uh, fork trick might work. What do you think, Jen? You think the fifty fork trick might work? Um, I don't think their forks were made out of metal that was that hard. So no, I think that was uh, 
I, I think that was more for his. That was like him going out on a high note. Yeah, that was not. I somehow I think if if Tunbot got hit with a cannon and still came back, <laughs> I don't think a couple of forks are going to make a difference. But I'm saying if like a grizzly though, just a regular grizzly, you know, you think that might work? You know, the fifty four trick. Absolutely. I don't know. Not. You want to go hiking in Yosemite and we'll check it out. We'll, we'll, can say we'll, 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 we'll film it. Okay, we'll give you some rope and some forks and we'll film it for you. How's that? It's, it's actually so ridiculous <laughs> that you would only do it if you're mad, sick, and starving to death. Like that's in your head. It seems awesome. <laughs> but then, if you'd have gave him a nice drink of water, he would have snapped right out of it. Like this. <laughs> I'm just gonna choke myself to death. But yeah, <laughs> I love it though. I, I love it. Okay, he did find the passage. So, so in that regard, of course, his um his uh, sacrifice was good. But did he really even help them though by drawing the creature away? I mean, uh, I, I guess so because they did make it. The the rest of the crew did make it. Uh, you know, although we'll go and what happened to them, but. Um, I, I guess it was worth. I guess he did help him out by doing that, you know. Ultimately, but uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that was great. I, the, I thought the last episode that was great. How it ended, huh? It bought them some time. I don't think it eventually. I don't think it changed the outcome, but it bought them some time. Yeah, there you go. So in that regard, yeah. All right, so let's get to uh, Crozier comes, you know, uh, to Hickey's group, and Crozier is like beat up. Right. Um, and what did they say? He took a fall. That's what we're, you know. He took a tumble. Tumble, right. What are they, the LAPD? You know, like, uh, I'm sitting there like, okay, yeah, he took a tumble, right. Um, and uh, Hickey seemed to be, Hickey didn't like that. Um, at least that's what I got. Like, he, he wanted to, I think he wanted to show Crozier that, you know, because there is a, there's this uh, decorum, you know, that you're supposed to have, right? And certain things, you know, with the rules of engagement and all of that. And I think he wanted to show that he was, because uh, he says this this thing about, I wanted to show, you're the only man that was on my level or something. You know, you remember that, that, that uh, what he said? That he's the only man that's on my level. And uh, so I think that's, Crozier wouldn't have had him beat up like that, right? So you think that's probably why uh, he seemed to be bothered by his status when when they got him back in the group? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I I don't think you. I don't think Hickey could prove to the people who are around him, his quote unquote followers, that he's the better person, that he's the best leader ever. If he started out by doing something that clearly Crozier would never have done, right. I th- I think that's the whole point. See, yeah. I'm better than Crozier, which we know uh, is not true <laughs> at all. But uh, I thought that I, was. I think. Well, well, didn't we? I mean, I think all of us can probably agree. If it wouldn't have been these, like, if all of these guys were healthy and everything was peachy keen, there's no way in hell those guys would have followed Hickey. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, right. Not at all. So, so you know, it kind of goes. You know, kind of goes with. Um, I think this circumstance in itself is just uh, sort of everything. Yeah, um, uh, Yardley, you, you kind of went down within the mic. Uh, yeah. Okay, how do I sound now? Much better, much better. 
Yeah, I, I you know, I, I liked, you know, I really liked uh, Hickey, um, the whole, I'm not saying I liked his character, but I liked the, the actor who played him, and I loved his performance, and I loved the arc of the character, and I think when he got punished uh, as a boy, which was the name of the episode, um, they definitely set in motion the Hickey that we had. I mean, obviously, that we ended up with. Obviously, he was going that way anyway, but I think that was that last bit of motivation or whatnot to get him there, all the way there. And so this Hickey, especially in this final episode, I thought the performance, um, his name is Adam Nagatis, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, I thought his performance was amazing, uh, as all the actors, but I thought he really had to... He really had to bring it in this last episode, and I thought he did. What do you guys think? Yep, uh, I, I have to definitely. I have to agree. Now, have either of you seen him in anything else outside of the tear? Yeah, uh, he was in. He was in the commuter. That movie with um, Liam Neeson, where they're stuck on the train, is basically taken on the train. Uh, yeah, he, he was in that. Um, and okay. uh, it's so funny. I didn't remember, though, until I was looking at his bio. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember him in that movie. Yeah, Because um, he looked familiar, you know? But it, guys, yeah. He's really well, good. Well, he does. He favors, what's his name? Um, from The Walking Dead. You remember the one? <laughs> I can't remember. The guy who, back when they were all at the prison, the guy who liked Carol, and then he ended up getting Lou shot. Temple, Lou Temple. Lou Temple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he kind of reminds me of him. It's the mustache and the, the British hair version. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's that's who he kind of favors to me. But, uh, Jen, have you checked out any of um, any of his work? Yeah. I, 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 this is actually the first time that I remember seeing him in anything. Yeah, I, he was great. I thought he was awesome. I mean, he, he was great. He was great the whole thing, but this last episode, he really brought it. And, uh, you know, and, and I really enjoyed the scenes with him in Crozier. There was this, it, it was this thing, like, it's hard to explain. Like, they, they had, there was this tension between them, but then there was that respect as well, you know? And I love that um, Crozier he kept his composure the whole time. He's definitely not a fearful person, you know? And I love the way that he, you know, in the, you know, he's in the den, the lion's den, but he still remains, you know, you know, uh, kept together and, you know, definitely not fearful. And I just thought, I thought that, uh, the scenes with him and with Crozier and Hickey were awesome. Well, and the, uh, I, I, I like how he always basically says, I forgive everybody except you. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. that. That was great. That, that, and it, it sort of, it, uh, it, all of the scenes with Crozier and all the other of Hickey's men remind me of like, you know, Crozier's still trying to kind of be everybody's dad. Everybody, he, he's the father figure to everybody except Hickey. Right. It, it it was it was actually it was really well done, and the two of them did play off each other pretty well for those scenes. Yeah. What do you guys think about the the visions that we're seeing throughout these episodes by different characters, uh, Good Sir, as well as other characters? Uh, did you guys did you guys like that? Did you uh, what did you glean from it? Uh, yeah. You know what? Um, 
Uh, Jen, I hope you can help me out with this one. The the character that was lying on his back that was looking at the bird right. in the sky. Uh, who was that? Do you, do you remember uh, what, what his name was? Uh, um, uh, I don't remember exactly. Okay, well. Well, well, the the thing that it reminded me of, you know, he was lying on his back and then he was looking at the birds. And it, it, to me, it was kind of a callback because, um, you know, birds are symbolic of freedom and perspective. And that was kind of uh, something that Crozier and Fitzjames were talking about a couple episodes prior before they set out, um, before they left the ships, when he was talking about, you know, the circumstances that they were in and how things are so unorthodox and not necessarily the same as before. There was a certain freedom behind it. And then, you know, the guy was looking at the bird in the sky and I was like, yeah, they that that was totally kind of symbolic of that whole freedom thing. Cause at that point he was kind of dying. He had accepted everything that was going on. He was going to die on his own terms. And there has to be a certain freedom in that when you kind of have let everything go. So that's what probably stuck out to me the most of all the ones that they showed. Hmm. What, what about you? So, mm-hmm. so uh, well, uh, okay. I'll, I'll get back to the vision in one second, but so right now, right, there's three groups, right? There's one group that's the Hickey group. There's one group that's basically the terror group. Um, and then there's, isn't there, there's another group, right? That didn't, didn't, I hope I got this right. Didn't Crozier send off another group to go across the water? When they found the, the, the water to take the boat across? Oh yeah. 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 I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's three groups basically. Yes. Because other because otherwise at the end of at the end of this episode it wouldn't make any sense because there were three distinct places that he and Lady Silence walked through. I just wanted to make sure that I understood that correctly. Because uh, otherwise I was thinking was that a separate vision? I didn't think so. You're talking about the vision like the good sir had as he was dying, right? Yeah. No, it it was another. No, there was a, actually there was another character. It, it wasn't good sir though. The other doctor. He was, yeah, he was like lying on those rocks, after and he his, like after his partner dies. Yeah, I believe so. So it wasn't that was that was this episode, right? Yeah, it was yeah. the it was during that. Up, yeah, he, he yeah. Go, he he yeah. goes up onto the rocks, and somebody says he's been up there forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I believe. Yeah, that guy. I thought that, yeah. that was uh, it. it, got, I don't it kind know why of his name is escaping me too. It kind of, you know, that kind of stuck with me, though. That was the reason why I brought that one up. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I thought they were very interesting. And I love the, um, I love how it was intercut with, uh, with um, uh, Sir John's, uh, or was that the Latin episode nine where Sir John's widow, no, that was this episode where Sir John's widow, or, uh, went to and asked for money for them to go look for him. Um, I love those scenes and I love, you know, I love the scenes of um, them sending the search party and all of that kind of stuff. That was episode nine. That's episode nine. My bad. I'm, I got yeah. him a little jumbled up, but um, you know, so I, I, I enjoyed that, that aspect of this episode too. I thought it, it brought everything together and um, the, the funny thing about this episode is that, so, um, Hickey basically believes that he's a, um, he's a, some sort of, uh, God or something like that. Right. And Hickey 
decides that he's going to gather the men together to face off with Tumbuk, right? Oh, yeah, that's going to go well. Right. And it's so funny because he's like, part of it is, yeah, we're going to gill him so that we'll ha- it'll be enough meat to last <laughs> forever. And it'll be enough, uh, you know, fur and... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I told you, but, you'd be you hungry, know, man. You know, you know what's funny is that they, they acknowledge even before that that Tunbok is weak because he's been eating people that are weak. Right. They acknowledge that right before that. So I can't see how they think eating the <laughs> eating this big thing that's been eating them that made him sick is somehow going to not make them sick. It's very twisted logic. I, I just, yeah, and then they have less weapons than they did before in their camp. But, you know, I, I wonder, though, did he? Okay, so I guess we'll get real deep into this. So Hickey believes that he has some sort of connection with Tumbuk. Would you agree? I don't know if he thinks that he has it right away, but mm-hmm. I, I think eventually he comes to see himself as, I, I think it's actually, he, he seems to think that he is also, uh, that, 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 if, that if Lady Silence could control Tumbuk, why can't he? Right. Right, and he has, once again he has no fear either, and he he doesn't take up an arm either. When uh, when they eventually go to the spot, um, you know he's there singing a song, you know, and he he seems almost like a um, like a cult leader, you know, um, you know as uh, as his men are taking the poison, you know, in Jamestown or something like that. That's how he kind of comes off, and I love how they were they were warning the men that if you run, if you run, he's going to get you, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, and then, <laughs> and then one guy, he just says, he just starts running. And what they say, they, they tell him, uh, there's nothing over there. Uh, whatever, whatever. <laughs> that guy's nothing over there. Yeah. That, that was so hilarious. Uh, that scene. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I, so what do you guys think about the whole face off? Because, uh, you know, I, I was actually expecting initially that maybe Tunbuckle was going to pop out, you know, and it was going to be a surprise. But um, but then I liked the way. But once they got to the spot and then they showed that, you know, he, he was coming from a distance. So they had time, you know, to get, you know, gear up while uh, he's coming at him. Um, what do you think about the face off? We'll save the, the part uh, with Hickey. What do you think about that? How that scene played out, and you know, and all of that. Well, I, I think it played out the way that it should have. Totally uncontested, you know, butt whooping. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anything because th- there's no way, especially with the condition that they were in already. You know, that it's one of those things where it almost got to the point where you were just like, just put them out of their misery. That might have been the best thing that could happen to them. Now I don't know what happens. After you get your soul sucked out, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I think that it went down. I think it went down pretty well. Uh, I thought that the I mean, sometimes the and I know that their budget isn't great. So I, I have to say that s- some of the CGI shots, you know, left a lot to be desired. But I think with the budget that they were given and how they used it, I thought that it was um, I thought it was pretty effective. Okay, so I know there's a lot of sad stuff that happens in this episode, but I think the saddest 
the saddest scene for me was Jopson climbing out of the tent, crawling out of the tent on his belly, thinking that Crozier had left him behind. That, my heart, and, and, and the idea that he was, oh, this is, the, the imagery in this was just, it's going to stay with me forever in a day. The idea that he was crawling his way across a banquet table filled with food, and he was pushing the food to the side, to get to what was most important, which was his loyalty, his connection with Crozier, for a dying, hungry man was, I, I, I couldn't have, I couldn't have scripted that better if I had written it up 800 times. That was so meaningful and so purposeful. And I mean, like, I know a lot of stuff happened and I know everybody's going to think about Tunbach, but in terms of just the human cost Jobson's death was actually, to me, more significant than Tunbach's death. It was more significant to me than Hickey's death. It was more significant to me than anything else because it was one of the biggest binding pieces of the entire narrative story. Jobson's true kinship, true loyalty to Crozier. And it was just heartbreaking to think that they were going to leave the sick behind and poor Jobson didn't know that the captain had already been taken. That was so sad. It was it was very sad, and we're gonna we're gonna go uh, we're gonna get deeper into uh, uh, the men and what happened to them and stuff like that. But and we're definitely gonna cover that. But I, I really wanted to at this point uh, just kind of wrap up the Tunbuck um, storyline, <clears throat> and then we'll I think we'll then we could focus more on the character stuff. But, well, did uh, Tunbuck die before or after the Jobson scene? Uh, it was uh, after. Was it? I believe so. I believe it was after. Uh, I I can't remember, but um, okay. So the tongue buck scene. Okay, so the tongue, the cutting of the tongue and <laughs> offering it <laughs> to uh, tongue buck, which yeah. you know, for a guy that was cutting his tongue out, he did it pretty peacefully. You know, like <laughs> he's just like calmly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, I think the minute I started to cut i would be crying which is so funny because we were talking uh about uh, that movie um oh my god truth to dare where a part of the movie is is cutting out a tongue as a sacrifice which is hilarious that uh both of these things would have that in it you know the, the, the removal of a tongue but but um i just thought that was that was interesting and then um tunbuck basically said fuck your tongue and <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and bit him and uh you know and tried to consume him and then you know i guess hickey was was such a terrible human being that uh it was too much his soul was so crappy that uh tunbuck uh, couldn't <sighs> you know yeah. couldn't ingest it which I, just... I don't you know i wonder though is that a good or a bad thing? Is that you're so effed up as a person that this monster try he tries to eat you and it basically causes him to die, or is that gangster that you so? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. no. or, or Jim, well, let me ask you something, Jim, because I know you got a rant to go on. <laughs> I got several, but I'll I'll keep it contained. Well, here here's my thing, but it's almost like and and I. 
maybe it's just me in my mind. I'm trying to find a way to kind of salvage <laughs> what happened to to Tunbuck. But doesn't it seem because um Tunbuck has been around. It was ten thousand years, right, uh, Jen? Yeah. Yeah, he's been around for 10,000 years. You know what? Maybe after eating Hickey, he's just like, you know what? I'm just tired. Bye. <laughs> okay. okay, let me present Let me present an alternate theory, okay? Let's go back to Blanky. Let's say that Tunbuck ate Blanky, right? He definitely ingested some of those forks. He probably got some, you know, and we know he's been eating these guys. And they said, look, you know, he's weakened. He's weakened because he's eating corrupted flesh. Okay, so Tunbuck is already weak, and that's... And probably Tunbuck had never encountered or eat, eat, eaten flesh that had been corrupted by lead poisoning. So let, let's, let's just throw that in the mix. And then Hickey does his thing with the tongue. Tunbuck is not going to have anything of it. But before that, before he gets Hickey, he gets the guy with the chain that is on the other side of, of Crozier's chain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why I can't think of names right now, but the, it's it, it's Tunbach ingesting the chain that I think actually chokes him and kills him. It, and then he takes Hickey and it's almost like, you know, gluttony kills. He it's I don't think it's just Hickey. I think it's a combination of he's because he still has a chain in his mouth while he's choking on Hickey. <laughs> yeah, uh, true that. That's a good that's a good perspective. OK, so <laughs> now you don't need to roast it. Because I didn't get the I didn't get the whole feeling that Tunbach was consuming Hickey's soul. I, I it didn't seem like that at all to me. It seemed like he was actually just you know munching on him like a box of cracker jacks. Well, no, I mean they actually showed his soul going into his mouth. Like they showed. Yeah, that you're right. You're right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So I mean that that was where I got through. I, I you know that's where I got the you know his soul was so corrupt that it pretty much that was what did him in yeah there was no denying that like he, he that was like he was sucking it up like spaghetti yeah and like 10 like you said 10,000 years and uh would you say he's the worst blankety blank that- yeah <laughs> i just can't i can't buy that yeah that's what i'm saying my whole thing i'm like wow 10,000 years you've been just you know but but then again okay. at the same time i know for 10,000 years he wasn't necessarily you know, eating and killing people from where Hickey was from either. So right. who, who knows? And, and let's just throw it out there that now that the series is over in the book, Tunbach leaves Hickey alone to freeze and die because he's, because Tunbach realizes that he doesn't want to have anything to do with Hickey's soul. Hickey's soul is just too disgusting. No, he's not going to consume it. So he leaves him to die. And and so I mean I guess it sort of makes sense that uh, that in the show they would sort of go the opposite direction and yes. Hickey's soul is so gross that it actually kills Tunbuck. I mean I I get, I could see that I, I can see how they well, sort of came up with that. Yeah, well I mean Hickey had to die on the TV series. That's the only way that you could do it that it would be effective. I would be pissed off. If he didn't die, if if, if that if, if it was Tunbuck walking off to leave this guy to start, I'd be like, what? Are you serious? Like, I've had to put up with all this assholiness from this guy, and his fate is to just, you know, <laughs> to, <death. laughs> to freeze to death. <laughs> like, 
Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, I mean, him getting torn apart was almost like I know everybody's been waiting for this. You know, that's probably what the directors were saying at the moment. And I, and I just thought for TV, you know, some things work better for TV. And I thought visually, I thought that that was probably the most satisfying for most viewers. Now, does Tumbuck die in um, in the book? Uh, I don't think so. So he doesn't die the, in the oh, book. Oh, no. Oh no! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! So, uh, a completely different set of events happens in the book, though. I, now, see, now I'm crossing parallel okay. lines. Spo- spoiler! Spoiler alert! If you haven't read the book, but go ahead. Well, well, okay. So, wait a minute. So, let me let's go back to something real quick, though, before we go into how things are sort of different in the book. It, for Tunbach, the the idea that Tunbach is 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 a um is a is a being of this realm is is narratively correct in the series, but completely not narratively correct in in the in the book because he's because you can't actually kill Tunbuck. He's a spirit. It, I mean, he's he's inhabiting the the flesh of the the misshapen creature wearing the skin of right. So that's different. Then, um, the, you, like you don't you don't kill a demon that way. That wouldn't even make any sense to me. But in the series, I think they have to put sort of a a finished timeline on everything, and so it does make sense that they would kill Tunbok that way because otherwise the, we we wouldn't get any closure. We would never have any closure. And then I I think. This is it's a limited series. I think people would actually be expecting that maybe Tunbach could come back. You know, oh, we could still do another series with Tunbach or something. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. That that's that's what I think. What do you guys think? No, I mean, I agree with you. I agree with you. But I'm, I'm still want to know, though, what happened in the book versus uh, the the um, and if you haven't read the book. I'm sorry you can put, you know, cotton in your ears, like, uh, get out. But um, so how do you, so what happens to Tunbuck in the book? I I don't remember that Tunbuck dies. It's, it's the, the book ends with, uh, the book ends with, does it end with the fire? Does it end with Crozier setting the, the ships on fire? I think it does. He goes back to the ships and set them on fire? He does. He, he, he finds his way back to the ship. He's been... He he lives with Lady Silence, um, and the, Lady Silence actually shares with uh, Crozier uh, a like a it's like she has second sight, like you know she can share visions with him, and she shows him the the, the goddess that created Tunbok and why the goddess created Tunbok and why it's such a nasty spirit and why this goddess uh, vanquished him to the Arctic freezing regions and how uh, the Eskimo people basically came up with this placating thing that they did with Tunbok to say, okay, because he, at first Tunbok was killing all of them. And so in order to appease him, they came up with the shaman idea, which is something we actually didn't talk about before. But remember, when Lady Silence goes back in episode nine, they're, they say they're going to call another shaman forward right. because she failed. 
that that is that's actually kind of interesting. That was an interesting twist that is just in the TV show. So, so um, in in the book, Crozier hooks up with Lady Silence. They're a couple. Yeah, yeah. At the end, that's what they, I they, see. That's what I called on the show, even though they didn't do it. But and you were like, "That's crazy." No, it's not even like that. I remember you said that, <laughs> and. See, I should, and you made me like I was crazy. Like, how would you even think that that could happen? I said, I know how they be doing. And sure enough, when that, you know, because he know, was with I, some at other that, uh, at that moment, Eskimo. I actually had thought that you also read the book, too. No. I thought you were just joking. Yeah. Just no, I hadn't. Well, I hadn't, I hadn't read well, the book. What do y'all, well, what do y'all think about that? Because at the ending, like, so when he was on his knees, it was looking like he was fishing or, or whatever. So... Wasn't it like a little kid or something up against him, or was or was that the kid of the people that he was with, or was that insinuated that that was his kids? Like, what, no, I, well, I okay. no, I think that was just a kid that that they that they he was with. I it, what it was supposed mm-hmm. to show was that they had completely assimilated him into their society. They accepted him, whereas they had yeah. turned Lady Silence away. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right, huh? Yeah. What, what did you? Okay, so. I want to go back to Tunbuck and then I want to get heavy into, um, you know, the, the rest of the men's fate and what happened with uh, Crozier post Tunbuck, Tunbuck. Um, um, so Tunbuck in the series versus Tunbuck in the book, because I really want to go into that. I'm, and I would like to, at some point for us to read the book and, um, all have been read and then kind of go back and uh, discuss it more in depth, the differences and whatnot. But um, what would you see the, what would you say the greatest difference overall about Tunbuck in the book versus Tunbuck on the TV series? And do you like the changes in what they did with uh, Tunbuck, uh, Jen? Um, I think the biggest change is, is in, in the, in the book again, because we get so much, internal exposition um we we get to sort of we we get a better feel for tunbach as uh as something maybe creepier even than he is in the series in fact in the book like i was saying in the last podcast they call him the thing they don't actually have a word for tunbach there's no word for him because nobody has told them what what he what his name is Lady Silence can't tell them in the book what his name is because she's already has her tongue cut out by the time that she meets them. So also the other thing that's a little bit strange, well, strange maybe is the right word, but definitely different is Lady Silence is like only 15 or 16 or something like that in the book. Mm. And in the series, she's obviously much older. Um, But when she meets them, she is, she's basically she's already she already has her tongue cut out so she can't speak to them at all um and that's where she gets her name lady silence very similar to the way that they coin her lady silence after she stops speaking um but her it's weird because you know there's not a whole lot for lady silence to do in the book other than sort of appear and it's mysterious and there's some things about you know how tunbot got in and out of the ship and because he, when the ship was was uh, was in the ice, t- somehow there had been a tunnel that was dug into the ship, and that was how Lady Silence was getting in and out. 
But remember how I was talking about the carnival feature and how Mm -hmm. there was that big show that they had? Tunbuck had actually gotten into the ship, if I remember this correctly. He'd actually gotten into the ship and created havoc at that point. So in in some ways, I feel like they did a, a, a different job of making Tunbok feel like he's more of a wild animal in the series, even though there's spiritual components to it. But in the book, it definitely feels like there's something so crazy supernatural about the way that this creature appears at just the right time, um, about what he sort of does with bodies and stuff. And it just, it again, I think you just get more narrative meat in the book about what the thing is. And it feels more supernatural and component. The The series definitely makes it feel like this is a big bear with some kind of spiritual animus attached to it. Mm. Are you happy with the change? I think for the series, it actually worked. I don't know how you would get into some such huge backstory for, for, the, for what Tunbok is and how it came to be. Although... It would have been awesome, and I think I mentioned this once before, that you know how they used to do the little vignettes before American Gods? Right. <clears throat> it would have been so awesome if they had had some kind of uh, some kind of CGI animation that just sort of walked through that sort of backstory and gave us even five minutes of it. Because it's actually a really interesting story in and of itself, but... I I also feel like if they had done that, that they might have taken away from the story that they were trying to tell, which is this is the story of the Franklin Expedition. You know what though? Also, they could have done it like um, the beginning of uh, of um, the beginning of um, Black Panther. You know <laughs> how they explain um, the whole thing. You know, so oh well, yeah, yeah. Well, well, Jen, let, let me ask you this. This is something that I was going to try to wait to ask, you know, for the end before we wrapped up. Um, but what were the things or was there anything? What did the show or what did you feel like the show did better than the books? Okay. So I, I think that the series in its entirety did a better job of narrating in a very visual way how incredibly desolate it must have felt for these men in in some ways although you know there was like these middle uh episodes where it felt like wow this is sort of going on for a long time to me it felt like they didn't even take long enough but they did such a good job in that centerpiece of stretching out the real despair that these that they were feeling the real uh, scary hopelessness that is attached to being in the middle of the ice, not knowing what was coming for them, not knowing where they were, not knowing anything. And and that was all set, lighting, makeup, costume, th- their affect. I mean, that was all, somebody brilliantly thought those things forward. So in that respect, I think the series did almost a better job than the book of explaining how incredibly horrific it must have been. Mm. Also, also the changes, the truly the changes to Mr. Good, sir. Uh, I, I really liked them. I just, I mean, I always liked Mr. Good, sir in the book, but to see him come to life on the screen, I, I really did like that. I, I felt like it made him so much more, uh, personable in my mind. 
All right. Um, okay. So, uh, any uh, any last things about Tunbuck before we move on to the the uh, rest of the what happened in the finale? I I I I I'm still not clear about Tunbuck, um, and maybe it's maybe it's just my memory, but I don't I don't understand exactly why Lady Silence offered him water. Mm. I'm 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 trying to I'm trying to understand that piece and maybe it's really obvious and maybe somebody that listens will get it right away mm-hmm. but I, I know there's got to be a purpose behind it there is no nothing is wasted in this series right I mean camera angles and and shots mean everything and for them to spend that time on her offering him water it it meant something but I don't know what it meant uh, you mean offering Timbuk water yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, you know what? I, I do have some more to add about Tunbuck. Uh, we really got a chance to see him, you know, in his definitely in his death, but also, uh, you know, his last, you know, uh, his last uh, food outing. And uh, his face is ugly. <laughs> he looks, you know, he has that head that, you know, looks humanoid head. Uh, and he just, just a just real ugly beast. And, uh, so they, kudos to them. They did a great job in the way that he looked, but, um, you know, is the question I would ask to you is to you guys is was Tumbuck some, a, a creature that, that lady silence and her people despised or did they even though they had to be worried about him and his presence or whatever, is it some, did they have respect for him? Because maybe the water was some sort of sign of respect or something like that for it an could adversary. Be. We, we, we have such a, um, we have such a weird, not weird. I shouldn't say that. We have such a different view of good and evil, right? We look at things in sort of a, uh, in a very black and white, way if something's good it's good if it's bad it's bad but in other cultures and especially cultures that revere spirits and like if you even look at japanese right demons are not always necessarily bad there there is this element or and even if they are they it's an acceptable bad because you know that there is something uh that there's some kind of shield around it that there's a protectorate around it that you exist because you are uh maybe you know, balancing your relationship with another goddess. And so you allow for her creature to roam your domain as long as certain conditions are met or whatever. It's not really a linear choice between this is good and this is bad. And so I, I mean, I'm sure that the, that none of the Inuit people wanted Tunbak to be attacking them, which was the whole point behind the shaman. But I don't necessarily think that they saw Tudbok as being bad. And and also why would they why would they why would the series go out of its way to say that Lady Silence needed to leave because she couldn't control Tudbok or because she had basically failed if there wasn't some significance behind that. I, I mean I don't know what the significance was. I, I wish I could sort of get into that mindset. But whatever that significant was, it was definitely important enough that she had to that she had that she had to go. So I I don't know. I think Tunbach in and of 
in and of himself, in and of itself, was not necessarily good or bad. But you're right. Maybe the offering of water was like a, an offering to the spirit as it passed. Because mm. she maybe, I mean, did it seem like she was saddened when she saw him dead? I don't. Lady Silence is really hard to read. Very hard to read. In in the yeah. series, I I don't know how to read it. You know, I, I sure hope we get an opportunity to um, to speak with uh, the young lady that plays uh, Lady Silence, because that's something I would definitely love to ask: is what what is her emotions um, as she sees Tunbuck because uh, dead because. Um, you know, just the way that she was when she saw him. And then, you know, like you said, offering the water. Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, it was very, very well done. It's probably an episode that I need to probably watch again. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely, for sure, up until that point, because uh, there's a lot going on there. And, you know, uh, but it was I, I thought it was really good. Uh, all right, so I want to um, talk about. We're going to get into Crozier. Uh, we're going to talk about Crozier, and we're going to talk about. Uh, um, uh, first, let's talk about Good Sir real quick. Um, Good Sir, you know, committing suicide, and them feasting on Good Sir. I thought that scene where they had him, you know. Um, up on that slab and they were taking their bites and all of that stuff you know it looked really good as far as uh, the set dressing and all of that stuff but uh it was pretty gross <laughs> you know it was definitely gross um so uh but what do you think about you know good sir taking himself out and you know the way that it played out and all of that stuff that's an open question that that's yeah anybody and i love how he cleaned himself up first you know he, he uh got himself all nice and fresh and yeah. uh, that is that's <laughs> yeah, awesome when you know that people are going to yeah. eat you that's so awesome that you take a bath first a whole bath as they call it <laughs> the thing that i found the most striking and then i'm gonna pass this to jim was just the, it, it was after they had been eating him, the prosthetics or whatever they used when he was like lying down with the pieces out of him. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was, that was probably one of the most gruesome things that I saw in the whole series, you know, because uh, um, cause Crozier, because didn't Crozier eat like a bottom of his foot or something? Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was a. <laughs> that that was pretty that was pretty gruesome but uh good sir he was actually a guy who i think i had predicted earlier on i thought that he was going to be the one to hook up with lady silence yeah that's how they seem but, like yeah. yeah but i was totally wrong on that one yeah i i thought so too yeah um you know it's so funny too because uh my mother right is in town from uh, chicago and i was watching that episode and uh, she came in when they were like feasting on the old dude, and she's like, "What are you watching?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, if you think about it, that's a very weird space to come in on a show. <laughs> you know, like what kind of shows are you watching here? You know, where they're you know they're eating someone's ass for real. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's uh, 
Yeah, I guess that was a little. She got a little wake up call about you, uh, Kente. I know, right? It was like uh, I'm like, no, no, it's a good show. You know, you know. Now you're getting trying to explain. You know, oh no, this is a. You know. No, because it makes if you try to explain what the show's about, that's gonna make it worse. Right. <laughs> but uh yeah, I thought that was uh it was pretty funny. Uh but um yeah, I you know, I liked Good Sir a lot, you know, and he was just in such you know, but he's another one that, you know, was in just such desperation at the end and just, you know, everything that he believed in was, you know was uh you know, called into question and everything like that. I just thought, I I thought, you know, that was another one of those sad endings, much like Fitzgerald. I'm uh, sorry, Fitzjames. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was. I thought it was. I, I I I would have to say that probably Good Sir and Blanky were were the people's champs. Yeah. Of the show. Yeah, I would have to well, agree the, with that. The the reason that Crozier ate Good Sir's souls is because Good Sir told him to. But the reason that Goodser told him to is because before he committed suicide, he rubbed himself down with poison. Yeah, and he told him the bottom of the feet would be allegedly <laughs> the same. Because he didn't, because he didn't rub the yeah. poison on the bottom of his feet. He rubbed it pretty much yeah. everywhere else. Yeah. And it was so tough when he was cutting it. It was like, oh my gosh. Uh, that was macabre, though. That whole scene was just so goof. Viscerally upsetting. Mm, I don't know. I just, yeah. They, they really for someone who is so awesome to everybody. I mean, like, didn't have a negative word for a single (laughs) person, and you know, for him to end up that way was just, oh god, it was really bad. Yeah, definitely agreed. It was just something about that character where you're just like, man, you know, like the guy with the conscience, the guy, you know, he he was like everything that you wished that more people would have been just more of a, uh, I don't know, more of, I don't want to say a homely guy, but just somebody that, or a rational person, you know, just, just every, just everyday lunch pail kind of guy, except, you know, in those days being a doctor was probably you know, a little bit more awesome than a lot of other people had it. But uh, at the same time, he seemed to be the type of person that if I was out there, I probably would have gravitated towards a uh, good sir. Yeah. Yeah. I like good sir. Um, okay. So let's, let's talk about uh Crozier and, uh, you know when um when lady silence comes to uh to uh rescue him and uh she ultimately has to cut his hand off um i was thinking like dang can she try it a little bit harder not to have to cut my hand off you know like i was actually thinking about i guess she she had no other choice but um and then you know, he wakes up and then he ultimately goes and he finds the fate of the, the rest of the men. And uh, that the scene where uh, Edward, I believe it was Edward, uh, who, you know, I forgot. We forgot to mention Edward tried his hardest to, to mount a <laughs> a rescue mission of uh, of Crozier. And that and they were like, "Nah, we're going to go ahead, <laughs> you know, which I thought, I thought that was an interesting scene. But uh um, what was the deal with uh, with Edward um, and the the jewelry on his face? I didn't get that. Yeah, th- this one's gonna have to go to Jen. I I didn't get it either. You know, honestly, I, I, that, this is that's one of my puzzling points too. I I don't know. I honestly I don't know. 
Well, I don't feel bad because I'm sitting there thinking, like, uh, did I miss something? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, what? And I actually did. I was sitting there saying, now, what the hell? Because I, I felt like, okay, do I need to rewind because I missed something? Or, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know. Maybe that'll be like a, um, maybe that'll be like a little assignment we should have. You know, when we do the overview of the whole season, we've got to kind of scour the internet to, to see what the hell that was about. Because I was like, where in the, you know what he reminded me of? You remember in th- in 300, like how the Persians all were in like the hooks? <laughs> <laughs> Xerxes came in. I was in like, where the hell this guy? I wish he was Persian or something from the friggin'. You know, I, but I, I just didn't, I, I didn't get it. So I'm, I'm glad that Jen is like, I don't know what the hell they were doing either. Maybe I, it was, I, maybe it was obvious, but somehow I missed it. I, I, I actually don't, I don't remember, and I don't remember a reference to it. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So good. So if anybody out there that was listening, that is listening, who was wondering the same thing, we're all on the same page. Uh, but I'm sure hopefully one of our listeners who uh, is more astute than we are will uh, clue us in or maybe, uh, you know, uh, maybe we can get somebody from the show to to uh, t- tell us about it. Or maybe it'll be revealed at some point. But, yeah, I didn't I didn't get that. But um, so uh, but I thought that was that was an interesting scene. And then also uh, uh, the scene where he's talking they're talking and there was no subtitles. And, uh, I, I remember that was one of the things that people complained about. Um, but I didn't think you, you necessarily needed it. I mean, you guys, did you guys need subtitles? I, uh, I went and it? got the subtitles. Oh, re- oh really? Yeah. So what were they saying? Um, they said, basically he revealed, uh, Silna's name, which is lady silence, um, who she was. And in the tent, Crozier, the um, what's his name, uh, the guy who was talking to Crozier, he says to Crozier, you're welcome to stay with us. And Crozier says, really, after all that I've done, after everything that's happened? And he, the, 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 this is one of the reasons that, you know, I feel like sometimes we forget that different cultures handle things differently. And he's like, you know, what do you want to do after this? And Crozier says, I don't know. And he says, well, you can wait until the spring to decide. But then we clearly see that uh, that Crozier is um, super panicky after Lady Silence leaves. I, I, personally, I think it's because he feels responsible for Tunbuck's death. And therefore, that Lady Silence got kicked out for not being able to control Tunbuck or that... that that maybe they think that Lady Silence did something that was wrong and that led to Tunbuck's death. I don't know. Um, and somehow I think Crozier takes it in his own mind that he's responsible for Tunbuck's death. Hey, well, uh, I mean, what exactly, you know, with Tunbuck dying, like what, what is it exactly are the Eskimos losing though? I'm just kind of curious. Like what, what, what would they, yeah, what's you the, know what I mean? What's, what's like the if bad it's, thing? Yeah, like what's the bad thing about that? I don't like what. Well, what? I, I I guess maybe maybe the implication here is that Tunbuck was also a protector, mm. in that you know these were again you know using the extended metaphor for civilization you know society in general, these were people that came into this world who didn't belong there, and Tunbuck was like their guardian 
the he protected them from outside influences. And without him, the encroachment of outside of of the world outside was now going to be much easier. Oh, so he kept the white man off of him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Because he damn sure ain't yeah. protecting him from that Jack Frost. Buddy. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I really think that's what it kind of came down to. Like, because of you, these white folks gonna come in here and wreck shop. Thanks a lot, homie. <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, well, that's hilarious. So, so kind of like King Kong and Skull Island, basically. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of think that is sort of the, the way, I, because, because see, the, the act of sacrificing your tongue, mm-hmm. it has to be accepted by Tunbok. Tunbok has to accept that gift. He clearly didn't accept it from Hickey, uh, or maybe he just can't have two, sh- no, he clearly could have two shaman at one time, because the other shaman was going to go out with Lady Silence. So I, I, I there there's some... I don't know, sort of cross material here, but it does seem like it 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 seems like Tunbuck really was behaving as kind of a guardian to them all and that the shaman was sort of the bridge between Tunbuck and 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 the and everybody, everybody else. So the fact that she failed, I don't know, maybe it really, maybe that really was, obviously it was a big thing, but maybe it was far more important in terms of their society than I understand because I don't know their society really well. Mm. That is interesting, though, if the death of Tumbuk is almost like the the death of the, their society as they know it. it. So, you know... So he wasn't necessarily seen as a negative force. No, I don't think he was seen as a negative force. And again, I, I, it, it's not. I don't think there is such a thing like that. Well, I can't say there's such a thing like that. I think that there's there are certain cultures that deal with harmony within within. It, mm-hmm. It's harmony between nature and man. It's uh, it's harmony in the spiritual plane. It's it's harmony all over. And you don't get harmony in the same way that you don't get, you know, good and, and bad always in, in one spot. You have the yin and yang. So I, I feel like this is there's like a cosmic balance, which is now out of place. And that's what they were recognizing, that that this is now out of place. Dang, that's deep, because uh, I most certainly didn't think about I didn't even think about it in that regard, you know, like like. Uh, I'm thinking like, oh, okay, he's out. You know, he's he's gone. That's a good thing, right? But um, but saying it like that, you know, maybe that you know that wasn't such a a great thing that he died because he wasn't he wasn't effing with them. No, and he and also there there's a there's a part of me that is that's oddly not suspicious, but it was interesting that. Tunbuck passed Crozier by to to, to attack Hickey. I, I mean, I, I guess, you know, maybe you could see that in a million different ways, but it did feel kind of significant to me that he didn't attack Crozier first. I don't know. There's a lot in that last scene with Tunbuck that sort of makes me question what they were exactly trying to transfer to us. Um, I don't know if it was 100% clear at least not to me, 
but I know that there was a lot of significance in almost every single thing that happened. I, I, f- I find it, I, I find it just the ultimate part in the pun irony that Tunbach's downfall, putting aside the hickey part was, was, was basically like, you know, a combination of being hurt and being sick and, and a chain, which does not have any place where he is. It's, it is an, it is an artificial mechanism brought into the environment. And that's what, that's what ended up killing him. That there's, I feel like there's something really significant about that. Like, like, uh, like industrialism kills, it, it kills nature. It kills, it kills a lot. You know, it did. This is the encroachment. I don't know. Again, when you look at the entire story as an extended metaphor all these things start taking on extra meanings wow um you know like i said that's uh, that's some deep stuff right there um so all right so um just to kind of summarize this episode uh what do you you know overall the ending we kind of talked about it a little bit the ending with um with him standing over uh, the hole and and all of that, and um, what do you think about that? What did I think about it? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I okay. This is the only place that I'm actually going to say that I really disliked what yeah. happened. Um, I I I know that maybe you know it wouldn't have made too much more sense or too much much sense if if. Crozier had gone back to the ship and set the ship on fire and all that stuff. Okay, I get it. But there should have been something that was less nebulous of a closure than what we got. I feel like what we got was basically, and maybe this was the point, but it was basically Crozier inside of a different society, but still alone and still surrounded by ice, as if this was sort of his hellish afterlife. I don't know. There was something. It it almost felt ethereal as the camera pulled back, where you've got the sun and all the ice behind him, and the kid behind him sort of grounds him to the earth. You know, yes, he's a part of the society, but he's still sort of in his own prison of hell, which is unending ice. He can never go back. Yeah, he he's done went back. too much. Well, no, I don't think he could have. I, that's the whole thing. The whole thing is I think he's too broken of a person. He could never go back to civilized society and be civilized again. No, no, he's no. That's not what I mean. Too much. That's not what oh, I mean. Oh, yeah. You mean the opportunity was there for right, him to Right. The opportunity was yeah. there. Yeah. He could, I mean, he could have actually done the show. Done, done the show. My bad. He could have actually uh, gone, but he, uh, you know, he made the, the decision you know, when they were right there, you know, to uh, stay. So, yeah, it's something uh, I mean, I, I enjoy that. You know, I like that, that that's what, the, you know, what it is, you know, um, it makes the opening scene that we saw at the very first, the very first part of the terror. It makes that scene when you go back to it seem so much more almost sad knowing that Crozier is standing outside of the tent saying <laughs> they're gone. Yeah. I mean, that's, this is how we started the series. Yeah. So I know we're going to, we're going to do another show where we, where we, um, 
go more into in depth on how we feel about you know the, how it all everything played out. But um, so, are you happy with? Are you happy with um, what you've seen? Uh, you know, was this something? Was this uh, something that you feel like uh, was worth it? Oh, I uh, do. Wh- I don't regret yeah. even a single second. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm with Jen, and I, you know, from what I've heard from you, Kente, uh, you pretty much like the series as well. I thought that it was solid, and 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 I thought that the best thing about it was the fact that they realized that they had to wrap it up in ten episodes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I don't think that this is the type of thing that you could stretch out unless you fully committed to really making this a study on the human condition and, you know, how people hold together under these, you know, stressful circumstances. As we mentioned earlier, um, we were talking about could this show be self-contained without any of the mysticism or the monster? I definitely agree to that. And I maybe even with committing to just, you know, character studies, I still don't think it could have gone over 13. So I think they got out while the fire was hot. And it's definitely something that I think that you can go back and rewatch and get a greater appreciation for. Also, just just to touch on one quick thing that I know we didn't touch on. But, you know, when when Lady Silence and um, and Crozier go back and they tour the camps, the, the, the scattered places where people were. Okay, so clearly some of the people that died, like Jobson and the others, they died because they were sick and injured, right? They, they, they were left behind. And then there was the other group, and the other group that I was alluding to before, they clearly died from the lead poisoning and, uh, and whatever else was killing them from the inside out, scurvy. Uh, yeah. be, and I and you know now come to think of it, that's what I think the whole jewelry thing was. The whole jewelry thing was supposed to be some kind of uh, dramatic visual narrative about what the lead poisoning was doing to his brain. He was he was really just crazy, and and it showed because he was attaching jewelry everywhere to his body. That I I think that in retrospect that actually makes sense because he wasn't dead. Nope, he wasn't. So, yeah, I I think that that actually might be what was going on there. Thank God that you you figured it out <laughs> before that. Well, it's a theory ended. anyway. <laughs> uh, we're gonna roll with that. We're gonna roll with that as the. But that's hasn't the, that been for the most part what we've done throughout this whole series is pin stupid things on <laughs> just being, you know, just kind of being out of your wits. And you're right. I, I think that hallucinations. For all we know, this guy could have been hallucinating that he was pinning that on. He could be playing pin the tail on the donkey in his mind <laughs> and in reality he's a jackass sticking pins in his own face you know what i mean so look yeah. you know n- not to put too fine a point on it but uh, a couple weeks ago i was um i was running a shower and out here in hawaii we have these things called cane spiders and they're, they're they're big spiders i mean they are they're not messing around spiders and one of them scurried his way out of the shower across the wall and i my brain went into some primal mode that I rarely get a chance to even glimpse. And I had deadly accuracy. I threw something at it. I jumped out of the way. I was like, I could have participated in the Olympics at that point. <laughs> and, 
and you know when when I twist this around and I think okay well you know if I'm if I'm dealing with that kind of terror and at the same time I'm also dealing with hunger and sickness and all the other things that are going on I I can't, I can't even imagine how twisted stuff would get and man I just think that they did such a good job of making everybody suffer so much I mean suffering isn't even a good word it's kind of like it's like a uh, what's a what's a good what's a good phrase for this? It's like it's like misery porn or something. <laughs> truly, truly, just absolutely at the bottom. I, it was. It, I have to say, it was actually kind of hard to watch these last two episodes. I love it, misery porn. Uh, <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> and you're not talking about the Stephen King misery. Uh, <laughs> not, actually. <laughs> hilarious but uh no uh i um so any last words you know like i said we're gonna come back and and do an overview of the whole thing but any last words about uh this episode uh you know what for me it was an enjoyable series it's always fun podcasting with both of you it'll probably be even more fun once we've stepped away and then reevaluated the series you know, since it's over and then we'll come back and talk about it and probably, well, well, the way that we are, there'll be things that we like more and then there'll be things that we can't stand more having revisited it. But uh, that's always fun. And you know what? I, I kind of, you know, AMC, I think whenever they have stories that work and they keep them short or they let something go out before the fire totally dies on it you know a tv show there have been shows that they have let complete that were fairly you know successful you know breaking bad was successful i thought that this was fairly um successful but there have been series that amc has put out that you know hell on wheels um they allowed them to naturally progress into something and then they end it in a way that at least, you know, uh, most people, you know, if you go by social media or word of mouth, most people appreciate how some of these series go out. Um, you know, the walking dead is going on too long. So I think as long as they're producing content like this, um, with either a mini series, uh, sort of like they did this or, um, a TV series similar to this that maybe goes four or five seasons, I think that they'll keep um, having some shows that stand out. I don't know if AMC is going to have any more bona fide hits for a while, but uh, I, I definitely want some more from, from AMC on this front. We got Yeah, I wonder what's, what is going to be our next new show. Uh, you know, remember when AMC's tagline was "Story matters here." <laughs> yeah. I don't know. yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, what I want. I, I want them to come back to Story Matters here. Exactly. I mean, you know what? It seems like, you know, the next, some of the next best things, and maybe this just is the way that it is now. Like uh, we were talking before this show about how, you know, man, you know, every seems like every week or every couple of weeks, you know, Netflix has some new stuff, you know, that that's coming out. And that might be what the podcast game gravitates to because if Netflix keeps knocking things out of the park, um, a lot of a lot of content is just going to be, hey, you know, we've already had the opportunity to watch all the episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can just, you know, and we can just talk about it. But I, I don't know. I don't think. I mean, do either of you know or have heard of anything that's coming up on AMC that might be something that's, you know, 
not, that that's worthy of our attention. I just I haven't really been tracking AMC. Not, so not AMC, but there was there's a show called Castle Rock that's coming out. I I can't remember where uh, where. It, that's coming out on Amazon. I Is think. that oh, it's Amazon? Okay. Yeah, that, I'm pretty that looks, sure that's Amazon. That looks pretty interesting. Um, uh, and I'm sure there's going to be something where the the fans will be like, "Oh, what about?" Da, 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 da. Um, they had that show, and that was TNT, the Alienness. Uh, but I think that already started. Um, I didn't. I, I didn't much like the Alienist. Oh, it wasn't any good. Okay. I don't know. A lot of people did like it, though. I mean, it clearly has a big following. I just what? for some reason did not like it. Is that the book that Carr wrote? The Alienist. The author's last name was Carr or something like that. I don't. I didn't even know it was based on a. Uh, Jen, did you? I, I don't. Yeah, know. they well, wasn't. Is it based off of that book, The Alienist? I, I think. It, right? I think it is. Yeah. 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 yeah that's um. Okay, now I gotta look it up. But anyway, I didn't mean to sidetrack you. It was just that that book sounded familiar. Mm. I mean, I mean that that title. Yeah, they. I'm trying to see AMC. Uh, I, I I think I think the next good thing that that cut that kind of comes out of AMC is uh, is the Western one, the new Western one. Really? Which what? What is that? Um, what is it called? Uh, it's called something trail. Um, what is it called? Uh, broken trail. Oregon trail. Broken trail. <laughs> Oregon trail. No, I would not. I don't even know if I'd watch. That. I don't know. Maybe uh, I would. Yeah, the book was written by Caleb Carr. I'm sorry, y'all. Oh, I had okay. to. I had to. I, I, okay. I think that's going to be uh, that, and that is, it's set in in sort of the aesthetic time where people feel really comfortable based on yeah. Westworld and Hell on Wheels and even the Terror. To be honest, um, it's it's set in eighteen at the, at the end of the eighteen hundreds, so it's it's sort of you know not I don't want to say the end of the cowboys, but it's definitely like you know in that era when things are really uh, still not super. Uh, things are still ultra untamed in the West. Okay. Yeah. And I think that kind of uh, also um, just another recommendation for people since we're just bringing these up. Uh, I checked out Godless on Netflix. Did either of you like that? Have y'all I checked did. that out? I, I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I actually finished that series up and they left some room for there to be another season of it, but who knows if they pick it up so that's something else for uh the people who liked uh past amc shows like hell on wheels it's not similar but it's kind of in that same uh, realm that Mm. that was the that was the short series that i was telling you that i loved because of the way that they shot so many of the scenes in that kind of uh anamorphic uh there was there were there's certain scenes that you can tell were shot in different ratios and they are absolutely breathtaking. Like from a cinematic standpoint, Godless is is it's one of the best that I've seen in a long time. I, I definitely highly recommend that. You know, you know what else though? I just have to say this because I've really been enjoying it. After the Terror, um, James Cameron's story of science fiction is actually it. It's not something that's podcast worthy, but it is so awesome. It is so amazing to sit and listen to the greats of science fiction and filmmaking and writers and and people that are just involved in bringing this to life sit and give you 
honest takes about where they were when they were doing this stuff. It, it's just amazing. And the, the, it gives you a full-on understanding of like where the intersections between science fiction and horror are, how we came to love this, this entire genre so much, why the 80s were such a huge influential piece to it. I mean, James Cameron did a really good job in bringing this to life, so I seriously highly recommend it. I have them on my DVR. I haven't I have not yet uh um I saw like a little bit of the second episode but it looked really good. It looked like good stuff there. So I definitely want The last to one they did out. was the last one they did was about monsters and it was just it was so spot on. It was so perfect. It's it's exactly the stuff that I know you and I Kinte have had many discussions about. Everything that they say is something that you've heard me say before. And in a in an odd way it's both validating and also really um it feels really inspiring because you know you're on the right path. You know you're on the right track with what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It it's, uh, seems like a, a, uh, a good program. All right. Um, with all that said, uh, we have to say goodbye. And hopefully we'll have – well, I know we're going to do at least the episode uh, kind of overview of the series. Uh but um, on, and hopefully we'll have some people from the cast to have on to uh, talk about their experiences. But uh, we're going to start off with you, Jen. How can we get you in social media and such? Social media, I am pretty much everywhere at Following Bliss, and my website is Critical Laughs with Two L's dot com. All right, and uh, Yardley, how can people get you in social media and such? You can follow me on Twitter at militant underscore marker. And I have some good news for you, uh, Yardley, by the way. All right, what's that? Your Atlanta Hawks got the third pick in the draft, NBA draft. <laughs> oh, yippee. Yeah. So. Yay. Good times. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah. And Phoenix got the first pick. I think it was the Kings got the second pick. So, uh, yeah. Pretty you know, cool. and, you know, and you know what I'm thinking? What? I'm waiting on football season. <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, you can get me at Kente F on Twitter, and you can uh, go to our website indyradio.org. Uh, we'll see you next time right here on Indie Radio. You guys have a great rest of your week.